From Advisory Board, we are bringing you a radio advisory, your weekly download on how to untangle healthcare's most pressing challenges. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. Healthcare is getting more and more technologically focused. It's not a matter of if technology will intersect with healthcare, it's how. And I bet all of you know the promise of technology doesn't always match with the reality on the ground. That's why I've invited health system expert Paul Trigonopoulos and digital health expert John League to this episode of Radio Advisory. You're going to hear each of them take on the persona of one half of the provider-vendor partnership and be pretty brutally honest about why most of those partnerships fail. Hey, Paul. Hey, John. Welcome back to Radio Advisory. Hey, Ray. Hi, Ray. John, you always have some some hot takes when you come on the pod. I think you may have been on the first podcast where I actually cursed. I think you did too. <laughs> I feel like that might happen again this time. Well, that's very on brand for me. So, No pressure, Paul. All I'll say is that if we do, it will reflect the word choices that came through in the interviews we had. I believe that. Let's get into it. So, Paul, you work with global health systems. John, you lead our digital health research team, which means that you end up spending a lot of time talking to vendors. And we know that these two stakeholders have to work together. But what do they actually think about each other? Yeah, overall, I think there's some mixed feelings, if I'm putting it politely. Last year, at the end of last year, I did a project where I interviewed around 25 health system execs and tech vendor execs. And when I say tech vendor, I'm mostly talking about software as a service, not not talking about EHR stuff or big enterprise firms. And honestly, everyone was upset and pretty frustrated with how the partnerships they have with the other side are going. Hmm. A lot of feelings of pain, a lot of feelings of frustration, of missed opportunity, of why did we even go down this road, et cetera. And, you know, these interviews were confidential. So we have some pretty brutally honest takes, I think, from each of the sides. Yeah, you don't have to name names. I mean, we probably shouldn't name names because that's a that's a essential part of our research process. But what were some of the things that you heard? From providers, I think there was just a general frustration at how opportunistic, we'll say, most tech vendors are. Providers, rightfully so, are sitting here with 11,000 plus tech vendor options, and they want to be able to say no without having to deal with 50 sales pitches per week. Mm -hmm. One person literally told us like they wished that vendors would understand how many valid reasons there are behind saying no to a sales pitch. They, they said they felt like they were sitting in on a multi-level marketing sales pitch like, by the end of the week. You know, it just kept going, right? And there's some other sentiments too, right? People wanting to just have a good vendor versus enter in completely from day one into this like 10-year transformative partnership, right? There's a little bit of a prove yourself as a good company to begin with, because I think there's some skepticism around what actually are good vendors out there, like what's worth their weight, because there are so many. But you said both sides have negative feelings. Yeah. What did we hear from the vendors? From vendors, the real takeaway I got was that systems 
don't do a good enough job at vetting out all of the noise when they pick a product. And we can get to this a little bit later, but the vendor market is driven on pursuit of growth. They're never going to say no to someone that wants to buy them. Yeah. It's up to the health system. They, I think, blame a lot of the failures behind, well, why did the health system even come here? Like, why did they get us if they didn't know what problem they were trying to solve? That sort of thing. So there was a, a, a little bit of blame on that side. And then there was some frustration on the change management side. Health systems are a thousand points of no, yeah. was one of the quotes that came through. Mm. When you're dealing with a rollout, especially at an enterprise level in a multi-regional system, for instance, the amount of, there's another phrase, shadow IT departments, things like that, that you have to jump through, just bureaucratic hoop one after the other. Mm-hmm. That was a huge, huge pain point for them. And look, there are lots of examples of these kinds of finger pointing partnerships in healthcare. I don't want to be, I don't want to be brash here, but but why is it even important for us to understand how both sides of this particular partnership think? Why is that important for us as researchers to share with the industry? I think there's two things I'll say. One is that technology vendors and health systems, I think, are tethered for the foreseeable future. And I don't see that changing. The, there are competencies that tech vendors have that health systems just are not going to do in-house, mm-hmm. especially when you consider how fast technology progress is when you think about things like AI and things like yeah. telehealth, right? So they're tethered. And then you look at the data on success rates based on whatever surveys you're looking at between 50 and 70% of partnerships fail. And that's just in business writ large, but health system is by no means you know, safeguarded from those risks. So when you combine those, it creates this sort of high-risk, often painful partnership environment because these two sides just don't talk to each other. And on on interviews, we ask, and why don't you have all these honest feelings? Why don't you just tell the tech vendors you're talking to? Or why don't you tell the health systems you're talking to? All this stuff. And they said, I don't, why would I do that? One guy literally said, doesn't the advisory board do that? (laughs) Like, can't you tell the other side for us so we don't have to? And I think that's indicative of where the, the postures are right now. The thing that I hear so much in the market is folks wanting help with how do I actually get value from my investments? Hmm. There's a lot of like, help me figure out what the new thing is. Do I need it? Should I invest in it? Probably not. There's a ton of untapped functionality in a lot of the existing systems. And a lot of the needs are extremely basic. You know, there was a a class survey at the beginning of 2022 that said that the thing that patients struggled with most and was the most important thing in the patient experience was an easy way to communicate with their provider before and after a visit. And it just doesn't exist. That is not a like generative AI kind of solution where we've got to be on the bleeding edge of technology. What they really need is to be able to get value out of the most basic investments that they have to make. And they're not doing it. Yeah. That's why this is a problem. This is not just a vibe. This is not just, you know, Paul out there trying to stir the pot and, you know, trying to figure out. How do we fill in the missing piece or give the the secret bit of intel to the other side? If the things we're going to say today sound incredibly basic, they kind of are. 
Yeah. But I think that that is where we have missed, especially with technology, when we think about chasing shiny things and how do we keep up and fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And that is true both on the health system side and on the vendor side. Yeah, I feel like there's this acknowledgement that, to Paul's point, a, a good chunk of these partnerships fail. Even the ones that don't completely fail aren't necessarily getting enough value out of them, like you said, John. But we also have to keep in mind that we can't just blame the product. You said this to me at one point, John, that technology keeps getting better, faster, cheaper, and yet we still aren't able to actually get what we want out of these technologies. At some point, it has to come back to the partnership. I feel like we're going to have a little bit of a therapy session here if the solution is to understand each perspective of the partner here, right? The health system needs to understand where the tech vendors are coming from and and vice versa. At a basic level, are these parties even operating on the same definitions of success? No, not at all. As, you know, Paul alluded to, tech vendors are, I don't want to say entirely, but I kind of feel like I have to, entirely focused on near-term growth. Yeah. Because that is the way their incentives work. Growth is oxygen for many of these companies, especially ones that are not huge incumbents. So they need as much revenue, certainly in the near term. They also need to try to get these long-term contracts that Paul was talking about to demonstrate to investors that there is runway in front of them for their service down the line. Those incentives will not change. And that is true whether it is a publicly traded company or a VC-backed company. All of those things are true. And it is a matter of existential importance to them. It is about survival in a way that even very challenging initiatives are not existential for health systems. The hospital will continue to stay open even if this technology rollout is not successful. So then what are health systems focused on? What's what's their definition of success here? I mean, at a broad level, right, it's growth. But I think when you drill down to why a health system is seeking out a potential tech partner, we want to assume positive intent and assume that they are doing all the necessary due diligence to identify the core problem at hand that's stopping them from doing whatever version of success they're chasing, finding that problem and then trying to fill it with a tech vendor. We want to assume that they're doing that. So give me some examples of some specific problems that we would want health systems to to focus on. Not the shiny object that John was talking about, but some specific challenges. Sure. You can think about core kind of age-old business problems, network leakage, right? Do we have technologies that have us give a better understanding of where the opportunities are? Primary care access, like top of funnel. Mm -hmm. Where the cost centers are, if you're trying to standardize care across a few facilities, that sort of thing. I mean, this is not revelatory, right? It's, it's, It's core operations. And I say assume positive intent because in reality, I think a lot of systems are making decisions on which tech products to partner with based out of FOMO reactively because another system that they compete with did it because they're trying to play catch up. Mm -hmm. So there's a sort of fallibility to a lot of the decisions out there. The other kind of goal that health systems are pursuing here is just a, a focus on minimizing risk. And when I say risk risk of failure in the partnership that could lead to financial loss, 
loss of resources and time, political problems like lowercase p, political problems, pissing off people in your system because you botched a rollout. They are really risk averse. And I think that's part of the reason why you see health systems skew towards short term, discrete projects as opposed to these like giant transformative things, because the risk involved with that is really high. And when you think about the limited resources that most of these health systems have, Mm -hmm. like a high functioning, high performing, good market organization, like if they have a 1% margin, that is outstanding. But keep in mind that if you're talking about a 1% margin, that is what you have to reinvest in the entire business. So never mind the fact that if that investment does not go well, that is money wasted. But to Paul's point, it is also an enormous expenditure of internal political capital and goodwill. You picked this instead of instead of this other priority. Yeah. It failed. And now there's, you know, a question of leadership and hurt feelings and all of that that snowballs. The risks are not just about the technology and the implementation. John, you're starting to get at where I wanted to go next. What kinds of tension comes out of the fact that the kind of core purpose of these two stakeholders in healthcare aren't necessarily the same? So I'm going to take the perspective of the vendor and I will tell you about the things that that they are doing and and the behaviors that that they show. And then Paul can take the the other side, because, again, this is a two sided issue. Right. And there are behaviors that are maladaptive for the success of the relationship just in general. So the first one that relates directly to all the stuff we've been talking about so far is selling to anyone, good or bad. Because they want to sell. Exactly. Emphasizing both the, like the near-term revenue dimension that is there, like we need to sell this, we need to get it on the books, but also as a way to shoulder out competitors. However many thousands of vendors there are out there in the market, it is always going to be easier for a customer to buy from you again once they have the first time. So clearly there's a lot of market share dynamic that goes into that. And I think that is probably one of the biggest ones that leads to a lot of down the line issues, because we don't take a lot of time on the vendor side often to really evaluate, are we going to be able to deliver? Is this going to be a good relationship? Yeah. Is this an organization that we we want to build a relationship with? Do they really, you know, do they really seem to understand where we're going and and how our our product or our vision for our product could could grow over time? Now that's not the health system's responsibility to do that. I think it's the vendor's responsibility to understand how the health system is working. So much of communication is we think it's about what we say, but it should be about what the other person hears. And I don't think we approach it in that way in a lot of these things. And I think that is sort of the basis of this selling to anybody. I could keep talking, but that's the biggest one. There are other very important ones as well. Certainly every health system would tell you how during the sales process, a vendor sort of embellished what they were able to do or what they could do in the future. Mm -hmm. 
Certainly, there's a lot of emphasis from vendors on becoming a long-term partner to the health system that is usually not aligned with what the health system is looking for or the way they orient themselves to the sales process. But again, the biggest one is selling to anybody. And before I jump in with the health system side, I just want to say that is, by and large, the biggest thing we heard from vendors themselves admit on calls. Oh, we talked to like multinational telehealth corporations that said, in an ideal world, we would pick really good partners. We would only partner with them. But also, and I'm quoting, we are like squirrels and we will chase anything we can. Oh, no. And that's just the reality we live in. So like, this isn't health systems blaming. This is vendors saying, yeah, this is just the market we operate in. Were health systems that self-aware? I don't think so. No. Yeah, there's an irony that comes from all of that coming from vendors themselves. So what behaviors does this result in from the health system side? There's a bunch. The one or two that I would focus on is health systems tend to skew, because their goal is to solve discrete problems, tend to skew towards a more discrete kind of gap-filling approach when they're looking for vendors and when they're scanning the market. There's a certain value to this, right? There's so many tech vendors in the market that exist. How else are you going to filter down all the options into something that makes sense for you. But on the other hand, we talked to one system that has their C-suite has a list of 40 functions that they're trying to fill and they're going one by one oh, God. to try to find tech vendors. And that's probably on top of already dozens of vendors that they're working with for other right. point solutions. Right. And yes, sometimes they might find a vendor that does like two or three at the same time, which that's a win. But in reality, you know, play that forward. In the best case scenario, you have a ton of noise. And somehow, if they're all giving you value at the end of the day, there's still a lot of kind of devotion you're going to have to do to wrangling all those partnerships. But more often, you're going to have a cost consultant come in and just hatch it all of those contracts at some point because there's just this like log jam of partnership buildup. It's a, a bit of a reality that health systems are living in because there's not really a consensus out there on what tech capabilities health systems must have hmm. everyone's kind of charting their own course so they're just making their best bet on here's the 30 40 50 depending on what our footprint is depending on what our problems are let's just go one by one and part of that is because they also use rfps for this and there's a point here around using rfps which has generally in the past been done for hospital beds for enterprise solutions like an ehr for kind of these medical equipment, like these big single item tickets, using that RFP for something like AI is a bit anachronistic considering there's just data published last year on this. It takes health systems 23 months to go from identifying a solution to fully implementing it on average. Wow. Do you know how fast AI changes? Yeah. Do you know how slow an RFP process is? Yeah. Like there's a different world out there that needs to happen. You said 23 months is the average. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that have examples of, of rollouts that have taken a lot longer than that. I can tell you with confidence that in eight years of, of being at advisory board, I am still talking to medical groups who are in the midst of rolling out a unified EHR right now Yep. in 2023. Yep. yep. And it's not just EHRs. It's also tiny point solutions, right? And this goes into the second point. The second behavior I want to focus on for health systems is they kind of rush through the change management portion of the purchase. When we talk to health systems and especially vendors, right, we heard that 
a lot of teams that sign the contract, they might communicate the value of this thing to a select few leaders. Right. But they usually overlook the end users, the patients, especially if that has to, right, if the tool they're buying actually changes the way access occurs. Very few systems actually incorporate all this feedback into the purchasing and partnership decision because it's slow and it's political and you don't really want to go there. Like it's better to just make the decision and then hope for the best. But in reality, it doesn't really happen, right? There's a, there's a lot of wrenches that can get thrown in if you don't get all the finance people, all the nurses, all the docs into something. Yeah. And that's the other behavior. I think when you, when you make decisions out of FOMO and you want to catch up, yeah. there's a tension that comes from trying to act fast, but also skipping. We like to say you should probably slow down to speed up. And it's hard in this environment, but in reality, it's probably better than just outright failing and wasting time. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. Competition in the healthcare market is fiercer than ever before. Health insurers are reinventing themselves, physicians are forming new partnerships, and retailers are making big bets. As these powerful players make their moves, we will undoubtedly see a transformation in how healthcare is delivered and financed. Learn more about the industry's changing dynamics and how your organization can adapt by visiting advisory.com forward slash healthcare competition or by following the link in our show notes. So there's this central tension that results in all of these different behaviors that the other side doesn't necessarily like or or agree with or maybe even totally understand. Is the right answer, is the purpose of your research to point this out so that we can change those discrete behaviors? Is it right for us to disagree and say, selling to any partner, good or bad, is wrong? We are going to change the way vendors sell. Not really. There might be some sort of self-awareness, self-realization that comes from any of these entities reading our reports on this. But I think more often than not, the goal is to just understand the other side. The theory that we were operating on and what we heard in interviews is that I need to kind of get to know the under the hood dynamics that are going on on the other side. And with that, I can better anticipate hurdles. I can better identify red flags that come up in the sales process. I can ask hard questions during the sales process to negotiate. I can call them out for selling to my market when in reality, like they have no business doing that. They're just trying to make money, things like that. That is the the take that the research pointed as being the most valuable. So then if we need both sides to take a step back and understand so that they can kind of adjust their approach to partnership, let's look at each side. John, how should vendors adjust their approach to partnership with health systems? I would start this off by saying again, this is not going to sound revolutionary. This is probably not even going to sound particularly counterintuitive to anyone who has done this work before. The reason we are calling it out is because it's not being done hmm. and it is absolutely essential. So the first thing that that vendors have to do is they've really got to focus on who is the ideal sponsor for this within the health system. Usually only a handful of people with the influence to 
steer and approve this. But what we're really looking for is is someone who understands all of the workflows, how they connect, where do the change management surprises live, and how can we address that proactively? That's the person that we need, not just the person who, who can sign the check. The flip side of that is owning the work of actually vetting identifying who a vendor partner could be that could be helpful for the health system. Hmm. The health system would love to be able to incorporate a lot of different stuff. They have lots of different vendors for lots of different problems. Often vendors don't want to partner with each other. And there are reasons for that that go along with their incentives that we were talking about, about growth and market share and trying to shoulder people out. But vendors can be much better as partners, if they know which other vendors are actually complementary to what they have, because the health system probably does not have that view. That is something that the vendor can bring to the table that really could be a value add. I don't think the health systems have the time or the resources to fully evaluate not just what an individual vendor says they can do for me, but what combinations could be most valuable. The last two, you know, I think the 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 one that is just an echo of what I said before is like, stop selling to everybody. Hmm. Okay. I know that's hard to hear. That is especially true for organizations who have huge, ambitious goals. They need to meet targets. I get it. But this is a threat to that sort of long-term growth trajectory that they all claim to also want to be on. And then finally, when you do find a partner as a vendor We've got to make it so that we aren't bending over backwards to clients so that we build this sort of like island of our solution that is so unique and so embedded specifically in what this one organization needs that we have created an enormous point of failure potential with that partner if for whatever reason the rest of the market outgrows that product or needs something else or as a company, we need to shift away from that. If we have customized the crap out of this one offering for this one customer, we are really setting ourselves up for a problematic relationship if we can't sustain that. And I think that goes back to not selling to everyone, not saying yes to every health system, being sure that we're aligned with what the partner actually needs, all of those things. I think those are not new things to hear, but they are absolutely essential if vendors want to do their part to make these relationships not just more valuable, but just easier to have. Paul, how do you want health systems to adjust their approach to partnership? The biggest recommendation I'd make to health systems is to focus on building internal consensus about the problems that they're trying to solve when they go out to the market to find tech solutions. Yeah. And there's some language in that that is important. Building internal consensus. One part of that is like you should identify the problem as opposed to make fear-based or FOMO-based decisions. Because if you're really grounded on the problem that you're trying to solve, it's a very easy vetting process to say no to vendors that don't solve that specific thing. Yeah. So that's one. Two is consensus around the problem communicating the why to especially like clinical and IT teams way up front. We heard in, in calls that 
most partnerships that happen, there's like some unsaid expectations around who's going to actually do the change management. And often the tech vendor, after the si- after the contract is signed, the health system calls the tech vendor and says like, oh yeah, you guys are doing this, right? And the tech vendor says, we did not talk about that. Also, we do not do change management. And you know, I'm making fun of that, but that scenario happens time and time and again. So there's like, I think it's more of the health system responsibility to sort out their own bureaucratic kind of quagmires and get everyone that's going to be affected by this tool on the same page. Our listeners can't see that we're all laughing in the background as you're talking about this, <laughs> not because it is objectively funny, but because we are internally going, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> the third thing I'll say is that health systems really need to push tech vendors during the sales and negotiation process. We heard in calls from one health system that partnered with a tech vendor to solve some access problem on good faith. And after the contract was signed, they found out that the the tech vendor had actually trialed whatever the tech product was in beta twice. And that's it. The health system did not know that they didn't have the scale. Yeah. And it's not because the health system fell for it. It's because the vendor put up this front that said, oh, actually, we have really good ROI. We have really good data. Embellish the sales process, maybe, as we were saying. Yes. Yeah. Check your uh, footnotes if you're a health system pretty closely. But the further, that vendor was, they were operating on a burn rate that they were supposed to run out of money in like three weeks after the contract was signed. They didn't tell the system any of this. They don't have to. That sort of thing is on the health system to push for. And then the last one is along those lines is pushing the vendor to figure out if they're if you as a health system are actually in their market of who they can actually serve. We heard from systems that were dealing with sales pitches from vendors who 90, 95% of the business from some vendor was in urban AMCs. And this system we were talking to was like a semi-rural standalone community hospital. They had to sit the vendor down and like, why are you selling to us? We are not your market. And the vendors kind of said, well, yeah, we're growing here, which actually what they're saying is we need more money. Yeah. You know, if I could pull up, there's a, there's an element of communicating internally and figuring out the problems you're solving. And then there's a, an element here for health systems to really be annoying yeah. to the vendors that are coming to them. Clearly, there is tension and a lot of negative feelings on both sides. But we started off this conversation with a very important point. Vendors and health systems have to work together. Do we even have an example of what an ideal partnership looks like between these two stakeholders? Ideal? I'm not sure. Wow. And there's a few reasons why I'll say that. One is, on paper, unicorn partners exist. And I'm sure in the market they do too, right? These these tech vendors that have their ducks in a row, their long-term value prop is so clear and so impossible to disrupt that you know, they are going to be here for a while. They're who you go to for this problem. That's fine. You have a few health systems that are really strong at enterprise vetting of tech vendors and looking out eight years in advance to figure out what they want to be. Northwell is one that comes to mind. They had a partnership with Teladoc that was announced last year. They kept that secret for like two, three years Hmm. because they were building the partnership from scratch. That's the type of thing that it might be pretty strong, But I go back to the word ideal. I don't know what the under the hood dynamics of of that partnership are. They could still be really frustrated at each other and any other kind of name brand partnership that's going on. The reality is most most entities keep everything close to their chest. Yeah. 
I think the thing that stands out from all of this research, and Paul has done a lot of work and it's all available on the website, so you should definitely check it out. Ray will drop it in the show notes, I'm sure. Can do. But the thing that stands out to me is just how these organizations are talking past each other. That seemed to be the vibe in all of the conversations that, that I heard Paul have with these leaders is that everyone is relatively clear about what the problem is, but has not made any moves to actually address those challenges. Mm. Now, part of that is, you know, as Paul has said, a lot of these orgs keep a lot of that stuff close to the chest. A lot of that is simply that, and this is true across healthcare, we don't like to talk about misaligned incentives. Everybody talks a good game about patients first and all that stuff. When it comes right down to it, everybody's got a quarterly number they need to hit or they've got a KPI. Yeah, by the way, we talked about how the purpose underlying these two stakeholders are misaligned. I don't think anyone would actually say that out loud. Oh, no. They would say, we're both trying to solve these operational inefficiencies or make things better for the patient or make things better for the clinician, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And if we can't even acknowledge that, if that conversation cannot exist, then we can't solve this problem. If we can acknowledge what the other side is dealing with, we can see it then we can start to think about how we can do it differently and maybe take different action. Well, John, Paul, thanks for coming on this episode of Radio Advisory. Thanks, Ray. Anytime. I know we spent a lot of time in this episode talking about the problems between health system and vendor partnerships and that we might not even know what the ideal partnership looks like. But that doesn't mean that there's not work that can be done right now. Paul has done some pretty extensive research around the behavior changes that we need to see. I've added those links to the show notes. Because remember, as always, we're here to help. If you like Radio Advisory, please share it with your networks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Radio Advisory is a production of Advisory Board. This episode was produced by me, Ray Woods, as well as Katie Anderson and Kristen Myers. The episode was edited by Dan Tyag, with technical support by Chris Phelps and Joe Schrum. Additional support was provided by Carson Sisk and Leanne Elston. One more thing. The podcast team wants to know how we can make the podcast better for you. So we created a quick listener survey at advisory.com slash pod survey. Please take it and let us know what you want to hear on Radio Advisory. Thanks for listening. Ray, do you care if I do a little bit of the methodology on this? Like, I interviewed a bunch of people. This is what I heard. Like, this is why I interviewed them. I don't care, and I will I will interrupt you if I start caring. All right, that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs>